in uh, watching that baptism, I thought, you know, uh, there's days when uh, God's got a call on you and you maybe don't want that call. Uh, when you maybe would rather not be baptized, but you are, and you belong to God, and uh, it's a joy and sometimes a challenge. Well, today's All Saints Sunday, of course, and uh, I've been preaching on All Saints Sunday for over 30 years, and I guess in preparing uh, for this day, I began to wonder if I had uh, anything new to say or any kind of thoughts that might be uh, at least inspirational to me to get me excited about preaching on this day. And then a few days ago, like manna from heaven, the world gave me a sermon illustration on a silver platter from popular mechanics. No <laughs> and here's the headline, okay? A Dyson sphere, Dyson like in Dyson vacuum cleaners, a Dyson sphere could bring humans back from the dead, researchers say. And I was like, yes, capitalism wins again, right? <laughs> okay, here's the article, all right? Imagine this, in the far, far future, long after you've died, you'll eventually come back to life. So will everyone else who ever had a hand in the history of human civilization. Think about that, too, you know? Everyone? All those Nazis? Is that... Okay, so here's how it will go down. A megastructure called a Dyson Sphere will provide a superintelligent artificial agent with the enormous amounts of power it needs to collect as much historical and personal data about you so that it can rebuild your exact digital copy. Once it's finished, you'll live your whole life again in a simulated reality and when the time comes for you to die again, you'll be transported into a simulated afterlife. Well, you'll get to hang out with your friends, family, and favorite celebrities forever. <laughs> favorite celebrities, where did that come from? <laughs> okay, so my first thought was good old American ingenuity, right? We're still number one. Um, my second thought was, an exact digital copy? First of all, that sounds like still dead. <laughs> you know what an exact digital copy is? A selfie, okay? You take a picture of yourself, that's a digital copy of yourself. My third thought was, I don't want to be an exact copy again. I don't want to be an exact digital copy of myself. I want to be a better copy, right? A much improved me. I mean, good Lord, I can't think of anything more depressing than being exactly me the way I am right now for eternity. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I want to be a me without my bad habits that I have right now. I want to be a new and better me without my laziness. I want to be a nicer, smarter, thinner, more muscular, less cynical, more positive, less depressed, me. You know, I want to be a me that would actually write thank you letters. 
I don't want to spend eternity flawed, sinful me. And I don't want to um, spend eternity living, reliving in a flawed, sinful world. And I especially don't want to spend eternity with celebrities. I'm sorry, nothing personal. That That doesn't sound like a win to me, okay? The biblical point of view is is that the world doesn't need duplicating. It needs to be saved. It needs to be transformed. The biblical point of view is a new world where every tear will be wiped away. A world where death will be no more. A world where mourning and crying and pain will be no more. The biblical goal of life, if you will, is not to squeeze more time out of your finite life, but to receive, even today, forgiveness, reconciliation, love, a deep and profound joy that nothing in the world, including the world's biggest computer, is capable of giving. Our first scripture from today was from the book of Revelation. Can you uh, think of a song based on Revelation? Have you ever sung a song about this particular scripture reading? Of course you have. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the Lord. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. No more crying there. We're going to see the King. No more dying there. Hallelujah. You don't analyze the good news. You sing it. And soon and very soon we're going to be duplicated as an exact copy. No. We're going to be transformed into something really good. I've thought a lot about the difference between a Christian funeral and a secular wake. Okay? Uh, Although we don't use that word wake much anymore. Celebration of life. Now I'm not talking about a celebration of life within the context of the gospel, but a truly secular celebration of life. I think as a culture, we've we've developed a kind of allergy to the word funeral. I don't really like using that word too much anymore. With a wake, you talk about the past. With a funeral, you give thanks for the past. But you also have the courage to acknowledge the grief and pain of the present. You also celebrate our hope in a joyful and different future. Not a duplication of the past, but a whole new future. Perhaps some of you uh, remember the, the Sally Field movie back from about 1984, Places in the Heart. Okay? And I'm going to tell you the ending, but that's almost 40 years. I don't think it's a spoiler alert if I tell you. I don't think it's a spoiler alert at this point in time if I tell you how Gone with the Wind ends, okay? The, they lose the war, okay? But uh, that came out back in the 80s, and they, they filmed it up around Waxahachie, Ellis County, which is where my uh, parents grew up. And it was set back in the Great Depression, this family trying to uh, uh, not lose their cotton farm. And uh, my mom, my mom and my aunt, that's how they grew up. They uh, grew up in the Depression, picking cotton, 
and uh, trying, well, they'd already lost the farm. They were sharecroppers. And so my aunt and my mom, they were real excited about going to see that movie. And I thought it was interesting. When they came back, they, they said, you know, was it good? Yeah. They didn't really talk about it, though. It was like something emotional, profound happened for them. I rewatched it last night. Um, Sally Field, uh, her husband, in like the second scene, is uh, accidentally shot and killed by a young black boy. And then the young black boy is uh, lynched and killed by a mob. And throughout the, the movie, there's these different events. They have a tornado, and there's this lady in a car that gets killed in a tornado, and there's infidelity, adultery, and uh, a black man comes along to help with the cotton farm, and towards the end, he uh, gets beat up by a mob and, and has to leave town. And they do it. They, they get the cotton crop in, and so kind of a, a family drama with a lot of tragedy, but a decent good ending. And then all of a sudden, just kind of out of the blue, there's a kind of an epilogue ending. The movie begins with everybody in church singing Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And then in this epilogue ending, they're all back in church and the pastor quotes the first verse of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only resounding gong or a clanging symbol. And then in the pews, at first it looks sparsely attended, and then somehow it morphs into everybody's there. And they're taking communion. The old, old way we used to do it, they're passing the trays down the pews. And here's the black man that got run out of town, and he's, he's there, and this is a white church, and it would not have happened in the 30s in Ellis County. But there he is, taking communion, and he passes it to the lady that got killed in the tornado. And then passes it to the wife who's ready to leave her husband because he had an affair. And then she passes it to her husband. And then she passes it to the family. And they say, peace of God to each other. And then they pass it to the husband who was accidentally killed. And sitting beside him is a young black boy who was lynched. And they give each other communion. And they say to each other, peace of God. I'm like, that's the most Christian ending to a Hollywood movie I've ever seen choir. The choir is singing in the garden. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. This is not how you're supposed to do a movie. In a movie, there's supposed to be clarity between these good people and these bad people. And the good get the reward and the bad don't. And here is this community of friends and neighbor and family and they all can 
grace. They all are reconciled and forgiven as if the Bible's really true. The only thing that matters is love. That's scandalous. That's not the way it's supposed to work. But maybe heaven is not that place you get to go to because you manage to be a good person at least most of the time, at least in public. But instead, a holy respite, a forgiveness, peace of God, restoration, a better me, a better me, a forgiven me. Jesus is slow getting to sick Lazarus and Lazarus dies before he gets there. Jesus encounters their tears and grief but a lot of criticism. If only he'd been here, if only he'd been here, Jesus. Jesus shouts out to dead Lazarus. Come out. And dead Lazarus comes out no longer dead. Unbind him, says Jesus. Let him go. Indeed. Unbind us, Lord. Unbind us from our sin. Unbind us from our grief. Unbind us from our bad decisions. Unbind us from our anger and despair. Unbind us from our decaying bodies. Unbind us. Do what only you can do. Wipe away every tear. Take away the darkness. Unbind us. Forgive us. Let us go soon and soon and very soon be with you forever. They're passing communion to each other. The sacrament of forgiveness. The communion of the saints where we gather together flawed, sinful saints. giving grace and love of Christ. Those songs, who are those songs being sung to you? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He talks with me. He walks with me. He lets me know that I, I am His own. These are songs for us, for us sinful, flawed sinners. They gather together every week to ask for forgiveness yet receive the good news, the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen.